You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Enjoy local voices. Enjoy local opinions. All on one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast DC is the new local app with hundreds of DC area podcasts. Featuring some of the DC area's best personalities, pundits, and provocateurs. Earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts you love instantly. With new programs being added every week, don't hesitate. Download Podcast DC now for free. Available in the App Store or in Google Play. Podcast DC. Listen local. Say It Loud Network and Mean Old Line Media presents the history of being black. Welcome to another episode of the history of being black, the podcast. I am your host, Eunice Elliott, and today I am joined by one of my favorite black folks, and that would be Dawana Thompson. She is a mover. She's a shaker. If you don't know her name, please get with the program so you can claim her as your eighth cousin, as I do. Dawana, welcome back to the program. Thank you, eighth cousin. Maybe sixth or seventh. Let's let's. let's okay, okay, let's, okay. I'm going to take that. Yeah. the family. Now, Dawana, you started the organization Woke Vote back in 2017, shifted a lot of what happened in Alabama politics in that year and beyond, and are continuing to do that work. But you also just took on a new role. So congratulations. You have been named interim <laughs> president and CEO of the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm honored to, I'm honored in ways that you can't even understand. Yes. Thank you. I could not imagine. I could not imagine. So Birmingham, when people hear Birmingham nationally, I think they think civil rights. (laughs) They think they don't really think about us in in a future term, today's terms, civil rights. And the Civil Rights Institute in Birmingham is the largest collection of civil rights memorabilia. Tell me, how did you come to be involved with the Institute and how did you come to this position? You know, um, literally, I got a call um, a couple of months ago, and um, for several different reasons, the Institute has been in transition for the last couple of, um, really for the last year or so, and um, the board there was really looking for someone who could bring in just some fresh ideas and some um, national and local relationships, and um, who had a different sort of view on what the current context of human rights um, and the fight for uh, civil rights is. And I guess, it, listen, my name came up in the conversation. And so uh, when I got reached out to uh, from the board chair, Isaac Cooper, it was absolutely not something that was on my radar. Um, I told them, and I'm telling you, I have enough hats. So I wasn't really looking for another hat to put on. But how can you, you know, when... It's the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute. You know, it was built in 1993. Um, Odessa Wolfolk, who um, is a pioneer and a elder and an activist and and just a powerhouse on her own. If you don't know her story, you should you should learn about Miss Odessa. But she was the first. She was charged um, by Richard Arrington, who was the first black mayor of Birmingham, with creating this space that told Birmingham's 
place in the civil rights movement um, and, and how we actually shifted um, really what was happening nationally um, in the context of civil rights. And so um, what we see and enjoy now is the culmination of work that they did together in 19, from 1991 to 1993. And so um, when I think about, um, I, I would I ask Miss Odessa, I said, well, why did y'all think that this was important? You know, and she said, because someone has to share the stories. There has to be a place where we can collect, have a collective conscious about what we overcame, you know, what those challenges were, and then hopefully sacred ground for us to imagine what's, what can be done moving forward. And that's exactly what I, that that's my goal now. And so I, it's, it's, it's really something I feel like I have to do um, at this moment. I think, you know, being called to it is, is an understatement. It really is a divine, you know, thing that I feel like I have to do right now. And I'm excited to, to be in that role. But that's, that's exactly how, literally, I got the call. And a couple of weeks later, I said yes. I would have to imagine being on, on the board, in that boardroom, throwing out names. I don't know how many other names they could have thrown out besides yours. I would think... Your name would be the one that would say, man, if we could get her, but could we get her? That was definitely the question. I know for a fact it was the question. And, you know, um, well, number one, anytime to be considered for a leadership role for something as significant as the BCRI, you know, I'm honored to even um, be named in that. I do have a history with the BCRI. Um, some folk will probably know of my most recent history with the BCRI because um, a couple of years ago when there was a whole sort of internal conflict about giving Dr. Angela Davis an award, um, I sort of sidestepped the BCRI and everybody else and was like, okay, well, we still going to bring Dr. Davis to Birmingham and we're going to acknowledge who she has been as a Birmingham daughter to the world. And so, you know, having done that and had an opportunity to lift, um, you know, Dr. Davis in that way, it endeared me um, afresh in some kind of ways. But um, um, but again, to, to others, to a lot of our elders and to our civil rights leaders and icons who are still with us. And it also sort of announced me or at least um sort of gave younger activists and folk who are in the space now, you know, a new um, partner in the fight. Um, they're like, oh, okay, she she with it, you know? And so um, from that opportunity, I sat on a task force to really evaluate what was going on at the BCRI. And at that time, the the president and CEO, you know, um, you know, communicated some significant challenges. And, you know, I think, you know, my goal then and my goal, you know, and being a part of that task force and now my, my, my goal now as being the interim president and CEO is to do three things. One, it is to elevate again um, BCRI, the Institute, as a thought leader on human rights. Um, you know, it's a place that people should immediately think about when they think about strategy, when they think about responding to critical issues of our times. The second thing is to ensure that the BCRI is endowed. The the resources, you know, we should never be concerned about resources for the BCRI. And I think that, you know, reimagining how we fund the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute, whether it's through um you know, grassroots funding and everybody giving their $5 and, you know, 
um, there's a there's a there's a plan and a way in which you keep an institute like the BCRI funded, and we need to make sure that we have the best plan for that, so that we don't find ourselves in spaces where we can't grow or keep up with the times, technology, whatever it may be, because we don't have the resources. So that's number two, and number three is to really um, take a, a, a proactive and progressive look at programming. Right? Uh, we have some some of the most incredible artifacts, as you stated earlier, Eunice, there, and 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 the um exhibits and and the stories that are in there are phenomenal but they um they also don't right now speak to um anything that's really happened in the last 10 years and so we need to um connect the movement if you will both in um program and in and, and exhibit and so that's going to take us some time to do but um and so those are the three things that 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 I'm really holding as at least my responsibility during during my interim time at the BCRI and I and I I'm excited to 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 dig into that so I find it interesting because, as you mentioned, you did have a previous relationship and you were privy to some of the challenges that maybe the general public was not aware of. Um, and you still said yes. <laughs> you know, a lot of times people will see yeah. a title as great and then get in there and like, wait, I didn't realize. And so I'm, I'm curious as to the mindset of, like you said, you're not looking for more hats to wear. You're doing so much already. When you have this, these three things that you really want to focus on and make happen, mm -hmm. um, when you're thinking about these ideas, and honestly, as someone who has been a supporter of the BCRI in the past, when I think about it nationally, as you just said, it should be a thought leader. It should be when people are speaking about social justice, this is the place. It seems like it makes such sense what you're saying. <laughs> Do you think you'll have challenges in making it happen? Because, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, well, why haven't we been doing it? You think it's just a, a difference of um, fresh ideas, just bringing in new life and, and seeing what it can be moving forward. Yeah, I think there's a couple of trends that that ring true, trends that ring true about why it's to some extent challenging. I think number one, when you look at the the economy over the last several years and what people consider disposable income, what companies consider resources that they can invest into, um, you know, non-operating, you know, um, in, in a lot of times some investments are not even, you know, tax deductible under the last leadership we were up under. Um, so I think that, you know, when you see the shift in economics nationally, you start to see institutions, programs, different things be funded differently, right? So that that just naturally is something that we are, we, we're having to deal with. But the other part that sometimes impacts, um, you know, the ability of places like the BCRI to to flourish to, to to the level that it could is when people don't necessarily connect with um, the current mission um, or don't understand what the vision is for a space or they don't feel that the institute has been you know as active as it might need to be or whatever it is now that might be that may not even be true but if the perception is that it will impact the resources right it'll impact the way in which people engage and so for me the challenge is um, changing the perception or the current perception of the institute. Um, and then for some people who don't think anything's wrong, it's like, yo, it's not that it's anything wrong. It's what do we want for our institute, right? What, you know, it's not about, oh, we're in the worst place possible. We're not in the worst place possible, right? But we could be in the best place scenario. And so how do we get to that best place scenario and, um, and helping people to see what their roles could be to support us on each, you know, in, 
each step of the way. So some not everybody's going to be able to give money, right? But you can give your time. You can you know, jump on and actually support some of the online programming so that when we're, you know, going after these resources, we can say, hey, this many people are engaging with us and that kind of thing. Um, the BCRI is a part of the National Monument um, footprint. So you're talking about the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute, Kelly Ingram Park, 16th Street Baptist Church, St. Paul AME, Bethel Baptist. Um, you're talking about the historic 4th Avenue Business District. You're talking about the A.G. Gaston Hotel. All of these places have such a unique story to tell, but together they tell um, a, a story of a people, you know, and of their resilience and of their vibrancy and of um, who they were as thinkers and architects and, um, and and who they are now, you know, and who we are now. And so that just takes resources. It takes commitment. Um, and so, yes, is it a challenge? Yes, is it a challenge that I thought I was going to be taking on right now? Absolutely <laughs> not. But it's where we are. And I refuse to not accept the challenge when, you know, especially in a time where we are having to fight, you know, for to remind, you know, the, the, the world and particularly this country of who we are and what we have been and why we matter. We need spaces like the BCRI, you know, to legitimize our, not legitimize ourselves to the world, but to legitimize ourselves to ourselves and to remind ourselves and to validate our, our existence and our, and our experiences. And so I got to do it. So I'm doing it. <laughs> well, you mentioned even now about today's space of the world and yeah. how it's a conversation and to be in a space where you can help move that conversation forward in such a dynamic way has got to be exciting. Uh, uh, for you, in addition to all the things you're already doing. Um, so what what is it that, um, like, if you could say any kind of dream beyond the three things you're focusing on, like a dream, dream scenario or event, okay? Okay. We're going to put it in the universe. What would that look like? I can already tell you. Um, social media is abuzz and excited once that announcement was made that you were taking over <laughs> President and CEO. So that was just like, we all felt the energy and people who probably have not been as supportive to the Institute are going to show up now because you're there. And that's the power in your name and what you bring and people know how you move mountains. But what would just be like a dream thing that you said, you know what, if I could have this at the Institute, I have this person, I have this event, I have this effect. Have you even thought about what that would be? Because I want us to have it on tape before it happens. <laughs> um, you know, I'm a solutions person, right? And I think about, and this is what I even told the board. It's like, you know, if I was coming on board right now and I knew that I was going to be there for five years, then I, I think I, I would be thinking about what, what could be done over five years. But, you know, for right now, I've really been thinking about everything in increments of 30 days, right? What can, what can we accomplish together in, in the first 30 days, the next, the, the next 60 days, the next 90 days? And so I think for me, one of the biggest things that I'm looking forward to is the reemergence and us reimagining Juneteenth. And I think that the reason why that's important is because just people understanding the significance of Juneteenth helps us to open up um, so many other avenues of getting people involved in other things, right? I, and so for Juneteenth, instead of one day, I want it to be a big, a big old weekend. Um, I want to see dancing and culture, and I want it to be, you know, both a physical and a virtual experience 
And so I wanted to see, you know, it's, I want to see all these amazing, incredible things um, that, you know, stimulate every part of a person's existence um, when they come to the Institute, utilizing all of those spaces that's around um, the Institute. And so, you know, it'd, it'd be amazing to get a Michelle Obama on the screen. It'd be amazing, you know, to get, um, you know, a Vice President Kamala on the screen. You know, it'd be amazing to get some of these voices, but also to um, interweave um, um, a lot of like, you know, conversations around Pan-Africanism, um, a lot of the interconnectedness around global um, civil rights. Like we need to see that because a lot of places across the world, Ju they celebrate Juneteenth better than we do. <laughs> and right. so I want to I want to show that. And I think that that will signal um, the different energy that we have moving forward. So Juneteenth is my first exciting, you know, um, shared experience I want us to have together. We're we're gonna work on it. Um if someone's listening to this podcast, they've never been to Birmingham, they've never been to the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute, can you kind of give us the elevator pitch for not only the Institute but the Fourth Avenue District? You mentioned a lot of the places on the National Historic Site. Give us the pitch on I've never been to Birmingham, I've heard about it. Why do I need to come see what's going on in Birmingham? Well, listen, first of all, the BC, the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute is not just a museum. It's a place of learning. It's a place of um, really coming to so that you can center yourself in what was uh, what was in the city of Birmingham and what is in the city of Birmingham and what can be in the city of Birmingham. Um, there is a civil rights trail that um, the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute is a part of. And as you walk that trail, you're able to walk in the actual footsteps of people like Dr. Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks and Fred Shuttlesworth and, you know, individuals who you read about all the time. And now you can be in a place where they um, their lives become illuminated um, to you. And so the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute um, is also the has been um, the go to model for so many African-American museums across the world and across the country. It's, it was the first of its kind and it, sh it, uh, it became the litmus for how other museums were formulated. So if you've been to other museums, come to where it all started, baby. Come to the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute so that you can um, fully see um, the way in which we imagine the the learning experience, um, the 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 growing experience. Um, and then when you know when you're standing in the BCRI and there's a place where you can look out through this through a broken stained glass window that was recovered from the 16th Street Baptist Church and you're looking out and you're looking directly at the 16th Street Baptist Church you can't get that feeling anywhere else you can't be grounded anywhere else um like you can at the BCRI. Everyone who is working there, um, they're not just working there because it's a job. They're working there because they are rooted in the conversation around what black history is and what civil rights is and what justice is. And I'm really, really um, excited to invite people to a place where um, people aren't there because they have to be. They're there because they want to be. And that's a different experience. And so um, for years, the BCRI was the number one um, tourist attraction, not just just in the state of Alabama, but in the southern region. And we're coming for that number one spot again. Um, but primarily it was because of the authentic um, experience that people had. And so um, as you leave out the, the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute, you're poised to go into the Fourth Avenue Business District, which is one of the oldest, you think you took one of the oldest um, black business districts in the world, you know, outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma, where we know everything that happened there. Um, um, you had some similar things that 
happened on Fourth Avenue, um, the Fourth Avenue Business District is still the home of foot soldiers who who um, were children during the Children's March. So just being able to to, to connect with those individuals, um, it's it's an experience like you've never had. So we're doing some new things. We're taking the BCR to the next level, but who we are at our core will never change, and that is a institute um, that that roots you and that allows you um, to have an experience like none other. I love it. So we're going to leave this episode with Be the Change. I feel like you've already offered some great ideas of what we can do to help be the change in helping you be the change for the BCRI. So uh, you were talking about joining some of the online programs. Give us some those ideas again so that we can say, hey, I did this today. You do it too. Hashtag Be the Change. Listen, Be the Change, particularly for BCRI. Number one, if you are not a member, sign up for membership. Be a card-carrying member of the BCRI. Um, and it comes with all kinds of things, and we're going to expand that membership and what that means. So you can do that. You can absolutely donate um, um, anytime on our website, any resource, $5 or 5000 or $5 million, whatever your heart is telling you to do, that work goes Primary, you know, that, that resources goes directly to the work of the BCRI and nothing else. Um, the third thing you can do is volunteer. We always need individuals to come and support the programs that we do. Maybe you want to learn a little bit more about history so that you can be a guide to guide people through the Institute. We would love that. Um, we have guides that range from ages of, uh, 14, um, to 79. And so, um, if you, if that's something you want to do, we definitely want you to get involved and ultimately just spread the word about the BCRI and why people should you know know about it you know share our content follow us on social media um, be that seventh and eighth cousin of the BCRI that that we need you to be well I'm already down for it I'm excited for everything you bring to the table but specifically I'm very excited to not only watch uh, you galvanize and bring a new energy to the Institute but be a part of anything that I can and support I am here so please know I am here to support love you yes Thank you so much again for being a friend of the podcast. I'm sure I'll be reaching out to you one day soon in the future to get on your calendar to tell us about what you are changing the world in in that moment. So I'm super excited and proud of you. Congratulations on everything, Dewana. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. And thank you so much for listening to another episode of The History of Being Black. And we will catch y'all next time. The History of Being Black podcast is hosted and produced by Eunice Elliott. Associate producer Lauren Turner. Edited by Ken Johnson. Executive producers Omar Thompson, Andrew Kalb, and Ken Johnson. Find the History of Being Black podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcast. The History of Being Black podcast is a mean old lion and say it loud network production. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.